Is that the one with the super pit stain? With the what? The super pit stain where you can see like Superman needs some sort of antiperspirant product, perhaps. I don't know what you're talking. He's sweating through his underarm pits. No. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. (laughs) The heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. (laughs) Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Brad in L.A. And Spearsy. And today, we push the calendar forward just a little to the summer movie season to decide once and for all which summer movie season reigns supreme, 1981 or 1991. Your father, Jor-El, fought long and hard upon that question. <laughs> I asked the right question. Stuck in the 80s is supported by the 80s Cruise. Join me and Brad on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas in March 2022 for an amazing trip back into time, just like our podcast, except we're on, we're on a boat instead. Ooh. Headliners for the cruise that week will include The Human League, ABC, 38 Special, Berlin, Belinda, <laughs> I can't stop, <laughs> Morris Day in the Time, Dire Straits Legacy, Modern English, John Parr, and many, many more. Uh, Use the promo code STUCK when booking to get $200 cabin credit. But here's the deal. The cruise actually sold out this week. But (gasps) you can still get on the waiting list, and uh, odds are pretty good because there's still a lot of time before we set sail. People, their plans change. So don't get discouraged. Just hop on the waiting list. (laughs) You still have any of those uh, situations available in Sydney? No, it's all gone, Paula. Never mind, Nikos. People drop out, don't they? Go to www.the80scruise.com for more details. Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the sunshine? Are you ready for the fresh and The apple trees and a whole lot of food. Okay, kids. Steve and I have done this before. It's your basic summer movie square off here, right? It's 1981 versus 1990. We're going to look at releases that basically hit the summer season from late May through August, the end of August. So, you know, if there's a little something that's just before Memorial Day that we want to bring in, then we bring it in. Since Spearsy's the youngest podcast host, I let him pick first which year he wanted. <laughs> so he's taking 1981, and I get 1991. I, I would have taken 91. I, I, I like uh, movies of the 90s. I, there's people, there's more people... there than you think, yeah. When when people saddle me with the whole stuck in the '80s label, that's I, I will admit that's mainly a music thing. I, the movies I think always, for the most part, have continued to get better decade after decade, whereas the music, unfortunately, has gotten worse and worse. Talking to you, get off my lawn! No. Oh, okay, Grandpa. Uh, so we have five categories today. We're going to each put forth our candidates, and at the end, we'll decide which movie season was better: 1981 or 1991. Hmm. I'm I'm not saying you should bet on things, but uh, uh, bet on the 80s. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Always bet on 80s, unstuck in the 80s. Yeah. Hey, let's get started with 1981. I'm going to start off by, I think, naming the pop culture milestones mm. of the year. You know, there's none <laughs> of this bearing the lead on this podcast. We're coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. You can't help but start with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, not the man I knew ten years ago. It's not the years. It's the mileage. This podcast is over. If, if you if you seriously had to name like five signature movies of the eighties, this this has got to be one of them. Oh yeah. So I I remember sneaking into. I think I watched this. I I bought I I bought tickets for Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I tried to sneak into an R movie, and I got booted out. That theater usher saved your life. Yeah, we've we've done entire series of shows on on the on the Raiders uh, movies. The first three, anyway. I refuse to talk about 
Yeah, well, you know, we don't have to talk about Crystal Skull. It's okay. Divorce. You know, as much as we've said, I think it's important to remember that the only reason this got filmed was because Steven Spielberg was smart enough to bring a case of SpaghettiOs with him when they filmed in Tunisia. So he was the only one who didn't get food poisoning. Smart man. Smart man. So, well, surely there are other pop culture milestones than this juggernaut. Yeah. I, in fact, I just finished watching Superman 2, mm. also released in uh, summer of 81. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. I went into this podcast thinking Superman 2 is just one of those glorious feats of cinematic achievement. Oh, no. And then I watched I watched it again today. <laughs> Did the scales fall from your eyes? <laughs> It was, it's not it's not a great movie but it has it has great moments when considering its pop cultural milestone status think about this the second commercial ever aired on MTV on August 1st 1981 was for Superman 2 Ooh, well that's some pretty good cred right there but keep in mind that the first commercial was for a three ring binder called The Bulk so <sighs> well you know you win some you lose some those are my two pop cultural milestones. I, I, I dare you to challenge the, <laughs> the uh, status of those. I mean, I have to put something out there. It's just like you have to fill out your lineup card and see what happens. But I give you from 1991, my first pick is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. We reckon he's nicked three to four million in the last five months, sir. All right, then, fine. Raise the bounty on his head. 25,000 crowns. Begging your pardon, sir, it won't do no good. How much you raise it? Really, scribe, and why is that? Because, sire, the poor, you see, he gives them what he takes, so, well, sire, they love him. Now, I ask you, Steve, is this cringy, bulleted Americanization, or is it a charming, cheesy, early 90s classic? You know, I'll watch it any time it's on television. Yeah, I think it's charming. I, it's definitely a little bit of the mulleted Americanization, and I'm okay with that. It's, a, it's okay. Alan Rickman is fantastic in this. Yeah. I would posit, Steve, I would posit that this role belongs on the Alan Rickman Mount Rushmore. Wow. Which, what, what Snape would be up there, and then what? Um, Hans Gruber from... Hans uh, Gruber, and... Hmm. I don't know, listeners. Who's on... Who's on the Alan Rickman Mount Rushmore? What do we have? Four? Do we have to pick four? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so you have Snape. <laughs> you have Robin Hood. Bottle have... Shock? Probably not. Uh, Love Actually? He... Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's, <sighs> the, he's the adulterating husband from Love Actually. That's, yeah, that's, who, that's sort of, who, that, there's your that, Teddy Roosevelt. That's acting. I mean, come on. It's great acting. It's fantastic. Okay, I, I gave you that. That's so, a so. There's that's, one. It's very nineties. There's very nineties. Number two, we'd be remiss if we did not know, mention this. Boys in the Hood. Ferris always trying to start some shit. <laughs> Can't fight, so he always trying to find some excuse to shoot somebody. That's why fools be getting shot all the time. Trying to show how hard they are. Ignorant. Oh, fool, shut up. You be doing that shit too. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got me there. Yeah. John Singleton wrote this script as part of an application, a college application. I hope he got in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie just, it goosed so many careers, you know, never mind John Singleton's who, you know, picked up Academy Award nominations for his first picture. Ice Cube, Lawrence Fishburne, Cuba Gooding Jr., Neil Long, all, all those people. I won't say they got their start there, but it definitely gave them a big bump. It's great, although I, I would say it's, it's one of those movies that you don't sit there and say every time it comes on TV you're going to watch it. I mean, it depends on where it is in the movie. Because I mean, let's face it, it's, yeah, it's a little dark. You need to, yeah, you need to be ready for that kind of an experience. But I think it's a pop culture milestone. And then the last oh, yeah. one, just real quickly, uh, Backdraft, which is on HBO Max right now. Uh. I know I've seen it. I don't really remember that much about it. The I cast I, is great. I, I just watched it this week. I I have this thing where I work from home, and what I like to do is I like to keep movies on in the background mm-hmm. that I've seen 50 times because it, it distracts like 10% of my brain. Right. It keeps me focused on work. That's pretty so good. So Backdraft has been on oh, yeah? kind of repeat 
So see, that's what I'm saying. I could easily represent 1991. I don't remember much about this, but it did spawn an attraction at Universal City. So I mean, that's pop culture there, boys and girls. Well, that and I mean, at the time, I remember it was it was it, it was on all the shows. Like the cast were coming around. It was yeah. If it you was watch huge it now. Deal. It's like fire porn. It's like pornography for pyromaniacs, basically. <laughs> the mo- <laughs> it's the most. <laughs> It, it's the most glorious footage of fire you've ever seen in your life. And you're just like, oh. It burns. It burns, my gosh. It burns. There's this one scene with Donald Sutherland where he plays a convicted arsonist. Right. And the way that um, Robert De Niro gets him to blow his chance in front of the parole board is like by kind of stoking, his, no pun intended, stoking his like little arson <laughs> fantasy to the point where you could just see <laughs> – that Sutherland's got is about ready to pop, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean that, and I mean that in just the way you think. So. <laughs> oh boy! But yeah, it's it's fire porn. So. Okay, well, and and I left. I don't. I'm I'm sure you got some bench candidates there too. I left on the bench Point Break, which I always kind of oh. think of as a cult classic. But unlike cult classics, this movie made a ton of money. <laughs> you can't say that. Um, I can't believe you put that on a bench. Why would you bench Point Break? Because Backdraft no. a, Backdraft has no. Universal City attraction. Sorry, man. You're going to lose this because you put the wrong players on the field. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm a romantic, and I'm going to live and die okay. by my by I, my romantic approach. I, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about fire porn, but I would have put Point Break in there. Okay. Um, if if I had an honorable mention for pop culture milestones, it would have been for your eyes only. Oh, which you're killing me! You're killing me! Why you don't like for your eyes only? I, no, I love for your eyes only. I can't win this. I, I I concede this category. Oh my god! I know, I know. It's like I have a Heisman candidate sitting on the bench. You know, it's like <laughs> we'll just okay. pull him in here when we need a first down. <laughs> Let's see if you can win this next category. Uh, the next category I've chosen is comedy masterpieces, mm. and I had to really narrow it down for 1981. I only wanted to pick two for uh, most of my categories, so. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm I'm yeah. laughing because these are such great picks. The first amazing comedy masterpiece of 1981, Arthur. I don't drink because drinking affects your decision making. You may be right. I can't decide. <laughs> oh, Dudley Moore was said to have based his performance on Peter Cook, who you know the two of them were yeah a comedy partnership. Yeah, but Peter Cook's drinking problem. Basically, uh, you know, took him out of the game. Yeah, soured that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it is Dudley Moore's only Oscar nam- nominated performance. Sadly, <laughs> I mean, let's face it he he wasn't in the business of making movies that no, not really commonly yeah. no for for not for, for he, not for Oscars. He had a brief, yeah, kind of a brief moment where he was the comedy guy, the British yeah. comedy guy. You know, the Hugh Grant sure. of the early eighties. Yes, exactly. That being said, as much as you think. Arthur is a Dudley Moore masterpiece. Consider the names of actors who were all strongly considered for the role. Jeff Bridges, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, Jack Nicholson, uh, Sylvester Stallone, and Robin Williams. What? (laughs) Yep. No, Robin Williams, Robin Williams could have done that, could have played that part, I think. The rest of them, no way. No way. Sylvester Stallone, are you... Are kidding me? What are you, standing while you're recording this podcast? You're starting I am to drop standing while I record This is great. I'm at my new standing desk. I'm feeling the vibe. Look at the floor energy coming up through my body. Right oh, did I tell you, by the way, speaking of standing desk, it's always been my dream to have like a bed desk, you know, where I can like completely <laughs> lay down. Like Grandpa Joe from uh, from Willy Wonka, never get out of bed, yeah. just smoke I your want, cigarettes. I, want a, I, want, I found it online the other day. It, it's this... I guess all my Google searches finally paid off. So when I'm not searching for fire porn, I found this Bit chair. Desks. It looks like a um, a dentist chair. Okay. And then there a monitor and your keyboard are like suspended over your head. Up above it. So you, oh, interesting. So you can basically kind of like you, you can nap or you can work. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. Nice. Only, I think it was $5,000. Oh, so. well, you know. Maybe uh, you know, save up bottles, and you could get the redemption value. And I do go through get bottles. Anyway, <laughs> let me not distract from my second choice, which I believe will be the Dragon Slayer. The other great comedy masterpiece from the summer of 1981, Stripes. Are either of you uh, homosexuals? 
You mean like flaming or? Well, it's a, it's a standard question we have to ask. No, we're not homosexual, but we are willing to learn. Yeah, would they send us someplace special? Guess that's uh, no on both. I still think this is one of Bill Murray's best '80s movies. I I have to agree. I yeah. have to agree. It's so good. This is so funny. The U.S. Army, you would think, would have done everything in their power to uh, stop the making of this movie because it makes them out to look like a bunch of idiots. Yeah, a little but, bit. But in reality, they were very helpful and, and collaborated during the filming. Hmm. And the, the cast was shocked. Speaking of the cast, upon hearing the news that John Lennon was assassinated, they pretty much got drunk for two straight weeks. Wow. And uh, even John Larroquette would later admit that he was completely wasted in the scene where he dresses down the soldiers after they come back from the mud wrestling incident. So, well, there you go. I mean, that's... I. Mm. This is another one of those, uh, you know, sixteen seed versus a one seed. Just, I know, but you've got you got you got a chance. What, huck what, it up what there. Here we go. From? Okay, so I got I got two, just two this time. My first, city slickers. How old are you? Thirty-eight. Thirty-nine. Yeah, you all come off here about the same age, same problems. Spend about fifty weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then, and then you think two weeks up here will time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. Billy Crystal is at the height of his power. Uh, yeah, pretty much. You can watch this on HBO Max right now. Um, I, you know, I don't need to tell you much about this movie. You remember it. You know it. You love it. A couple quick kind of hits, though. Daniel Stern declined the writing lessons he was offered before the movie started so that he could better convey his character's inexperience on the horse. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's well, that's mission, method right there. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Clint Eastwood was considered for the role of Curly, but he that wanted too much money. He wanted too much money. Also, yeah. would he have done one-armed push-ups at the Oscars? Probably not. Uh, yeah, he probably could have. Yeah, he could have, but I bet he wouldn't have because he wanted to direct. He wanted to be serious. Jack Palance was like, let's do this thing, kids. <laughs> uh, and no surprise, Ira and Barry were inspired by Ben and Jerry, right? Yeah, of course. But in 2015 on, on a Reddit Ask Me Anything, they revealed that most people assumed it was really them. Oh, wow. <laughs> people didn't realize it was actors. And they also added that in real life, they cannot recommend the perfect ice cream for any meal, which is a real shame. Hmm. Yeah, that was kind of a pivotal moment of the movie. Yeah. Did you ever see the sequel, by the way? Uh, I think it's yeah, called I Curly's think so. Gold. Legend of Curly's Gold. I do remember it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, doesn't John Lovitz come in for Bruno Kirby in that? I think so. It's not yeah. great. And John Lovitz, I love John Lovitz because he's a UC Irvine alumnus. That's my first one. My second one, you know him, you love him. Michael J. Fox in Doc Hollywood. All right. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's get something straight right now, okay? I got eight years of higher education. I got one year of internship. I got one year of residency. I'm, I'm $70,000 in debt. Now I'm waylaid in this hee-haw hell, and you insist on clocking me in and out like I'm some kind of factory worker? Well, no! N-O! No! This is where I draw the line. I believe you have a visitor, Doctor. Do you know this movie was shot pretty much right outside of Gainesville, Florida, when I w- just after I graduated? Yeah, Micanopy, Micanopy... My canopy. Don't don't even joke about Micanopy. I misspelled it once on a um, story that I had to submit for public affairs reporting class, and the teacher considered the misspelling to be a fact error, not a spelling <gasps> error. And so instead of getting an F, I got a zero. Oh, and I'm not forgetting that guy's name or the zero. Well, I mean, look, you know, I can't <laughs> pronounce Florida town names. It's like if I gave you a bunch of Oklahoma town names, you wouldn't know how to pronounce them. I bet I'd be okay. Native American. Well, I mean, it's all, that's all it is in Florida. I'll send you a list. Part. I'll send you a list. Anyway, you say you hate remakes, 80s Nation. I, I, I hear the angst every time we talk about remakes, but I bet you love the Disney movie Cars, which is just a remake of Doc Hollywood with animated Cars. You know, I never saw Cars, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's charming in its way. Uh, yeah. Michael J. Fox was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease not long before filming of this began. Wow. He, had, he had noticed a small tremor in his left pinky. That's how it started. The only lasting memory, I think, of them 
all the restaurants in that area used to have had a photo basically of <laughs> yeah i bet of michael j fox and, and woody harrelson like kind of you know drunk off their asses you know eating the food of the restaurant of you know <laughs> so that was their the lingering <laughs> mickey nope is really nice if you ever get a chance to go it's a good place to go for a bed and breakfast kind of experience but, nice uh, I will. I've got one piece of gotcha trivia for you, Steve. Okay. Guess the rating of this movie. Uh, it's got to be an R because I mean it's got full frontal nudity. It's PG thirteen. Somehow it's PG thirteen. I don't wow. know if the what do they call those people? The rating. I don't know if the ratings board people were still out getting popcorn because that skinny dipping scene is like right up top. Like hello. Yeah. It's uh, memorable. Yeah. Yes, I think it's the only word I'm allowed to use. I think that's fair. I think I've said porn too many times. Wow. Okay. I, I would say that that's kind of a close call. I mean, I, I love <laughs> your picks. I mean, I think it's a good effort. I think that's the number 16 seed losing by seven instead of losing yeah. by 70. Putting a scare, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we also play this game. We don't play it as well as you. I, I, I concede comedy masterpieces. Here's the three players I left on the bench. Are you ready? Yep. Cannonball Run, History of the World Part 1, and Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams. Wow, you got some depth there. Yeah. Kind of like the bulls. I got Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah. And Hot Shots. I don't know what to say about Hot Shots. I, uh, it's it made no naked a naked gun. It made a ton of money. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I saw it once, and that's all I needed to I see. I think it's funnier than Naked Gun. Really? Yeah. I do. The, really? Yeah. A lot of people are kind of shaking their heads right now at home. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> at me. Okay. At me, bros. Okay. This is the category where I, I admit I'm going to come up short. And part of it's just due to, um, hey, that's just the way it works out. Yeah. Sci-fi classics. Well, obviously, sci-fi classics in 1981 will not be nearly as robust as they would be 10 years later. Fair. But, but. However. I can still offer you this. Escape from New York. You go in. Find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Bullshit. Straight, just like I said. I'll think about it. No time. Give me an answer. Get a new president. We're still at war, Pliskin. Call me Snake. Did you know that John Carpenter originally wrote this um, in the mid-70s as a reaction to the Watergate scandal? Huh. I did not know that. But nobody wanted to make it. Because it was too dark, too violent, but that all changed after the success he had with Halloween. Suddenly, he was a genius. All you need is one hit in this business, folks. Yeah. One hit. The second one I'll give you, this one I have a nice little story about. Also released the summer of 1981, Clash of the Titans. Precious. 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 Mark me, Precious. These weapons are gifts from the gods. God will this shield. For one day, it will guard your life. Guard my life? When? You will know when the day comes. What about the helmet? It has the power to render its wearer invisible. 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 Wait. Wait. Who are you? Find and fulfill your destiny. I remember going to see this movie. There was a theater called the Caleb. I don't know why I remember it. In downtown Clearwater, which downtown Clearwater is no great affair. No booming metropolis. It's been taken over by the Scientologists now. So oh, you, gosh. Yeah, okay. Generally speaking, nobody really goes downtown unless you're a loon. But they, they still do have a really nice theater downtown. It's called the Capitol. And a lot of 80s uh, artists performed. I've seen Richard Marks there a couple of times. Nice. But in the 80s, there was a very ancient theater called the Caleb. And my dad, his, his job was working uh, commercial refrigeration. So he mm-hmm. would have handled the ice machines and the air conditioning for many of the smaller theaters around Florida, including the Caleb. So I remember we got in for free. I get this while he was fixing (laughs) the machines, while he was fixing the machines, I got to sit there and keep watching clash of the Titans over and over again that day. 
So I know it pretty well. That being said, something I did not know about Clash of the Titans, they released their own line of toys um, huh. to try to capitalize on the success that the Star Wars toys had. Sure. So, so all the major characters, there were little action figures. and Even the owl? Here's the interesting thing about the owl. The owl was invented specifically to try to capitalize on the popularity of R2-D2. <gasps> Those conniving bastards. I love them. I did not see this, the remake of Clash of the Titans, which I think was like 2010, but I hear that Bobo the Owl makes a cameo in that as well. So, Yeah, I kind of want my my Greek mythology movies to come with claymation and cheese. And so yeah. I prefer the 1981 clash of the Titans, you know, oh, Kraken, fantastic owl. I want it all. Burgess Meredith, you know, come, come on, on rock, <laughs> go, sl- go slay Medusa. Give him the left. <laughs> You've got so many to choose from. Which movies did you pick for your sci-fi classics from 1991? Okay, Steve, I'm going to lead off with my fleet of foot singles hitter. We're going to baseball metaphors now. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Let's go, guys. We'll drive. (laughs) Ted, what? I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Dude, what? I got a full-on robot chubby. Later, Evil Ted. Later. It's more of a bunt, Brad. (laughs) Well, get on base. I need you on base. Did you have you seen the third one yet? No, I haven't, and I kind of kicking myself for that. I, we should watch that and do a at least a quick report on it, if not a whole show. I I did watch it finally on the plane ride up to New York the last time I was up there. Okay, did you it, cry? It's uh, did I cry? I cry at everything, dude. Well, but cr- um, watching movies on watching movies on airplanes is a recipe for crying. Known fact. I would say the likelihood is about ninety five percent. I don't I don't remember. It's been it's been like. <laughs> four weeks now but what's nice about it is it, it has all the same charm that the first two movies had really there's something i was trying to, and as i was sitting there i was trying to think what what is it why do i like this movie more than i liked the coming to america sequel and i just i i think it's just the fact that there's this there's this campy quality to the to the overall story Mm-hmm. of Bill and Ted that just, you know, it, it kind of whitewashes anything that, you know, oh, that was kind of silly. Well, yeah, it's silly. It was Bill and Ted, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, Bill and Ted, the first Bill and Ted movie, and to a certain extent the second one, they know it's dumb, and they're playing it for all it's worth, and they're just right. hamming it up, and it works. It's so stupid it's funny, you know? Yeah. It's worth seeing, especially for free <laughs> when you can't do anything else for three hours when you're going between Orlando and uh, New York. That's fair. So the director of Bill and Ted's second outing was Peter Hewitt. Does that name sound familiar? It probably, does. Probably isn't too familiar. His recent work includes the fifth Home Alone movie, 2012's there was Holiday five? Heist. <laughs> yeah, I was there. surprised too. <laughs> God. And they're rebooting it. They're rebooting the whole thing. No. No. The Home Alone movies killed the 80s. I mean, suddenly it all became about a stupid, silly story. I, I uh, Wait, we just talked about Bill and Ted, and now you're going to get mad about stupid, silly stories? Yeah. No. I'm just, but, yeah. Okay, here's who I left on the bench for uh, sci-fi classics. Before I hand it back to you, though, Steve, I have one more. I give you my cleanup hitter. Terminator 2. No! 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 Help her! Wait here. Hurry up! Hurry up! Kill us all! Kill us all! Homer! Mommy, you okay? Come with me if you want to live. Oh, okay. I lose. <laughs> I mean, oof. What, what can I tell you about this you don't already know? I will ask you a Nothing. question. Where do you think this ranks among sci-fi sequels of, of the era? Oh, you know, that's funny because I, I, it's got to be the best. Um, it's, it's up there with Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Um, 
Aliens. I would put Aliens up there on the list. Aliens. Um, Empire Strikes yeah. Back. Road Warrior maybe makes the list, but I don't think Road Warrior beats this. But it's, yeah, it's top it's five. Really, it's easy top five. The only ones I think you can make a case for would be Aliens or I, Wrath of Khan. I think Wrath of Khan are, puts the – Wrath of Khan, similar to this, puts the franchise on its feet. I mean, the first yeah, Terminator movie yeah. is a really interesting movie, and I think people like it for good reason. But Terminator 2, just like, oh, here yeah. we go, you know? Sequels get a bad rap. They're, I mean, sci-fi movies have done a good job with them. But even if you look back, Godfather 2 is better than Godfather 1. There's some other ones. where Arthur 2? Hmm? Back to the Future 2? Back to the Future 2 is not better than the first one. I, I'm not saying it is, but I do like Back to the Future 2. It's good. It's fine. Um, but it's a bridge. Police Academy 2. Yeah. <laughs> you know, second Lord of the no, Rings there's... movie, nothing really happens. <laughs> it's a lot of walking. <laughs> I like second movies that tend to basically send a, um, a, a you know something into becoming a real franchise. Yeah. I mean, it took that story from the first one, and it just puts it on his shoulders. It's like, let's go to the big time. You yeah, know, you played yeah, in Chicago. Fantastic. Now we're going to Broadway. I, I would watch that movie. I would wake. I would set the alarm clock at two in the morning if I knew it was coming on TV at two in the morning, and I would wake up and watch Come it. Come with me if you want to live. That's <laughs> okay. Here's who I sat on the bench. <clears throat> I feel pretty good about it. Dragon Slayer. I, I had. I could have played Dragon mm, Slayer. Yeah. I, that's that's one of my favorites. American Werewolf in London. I could have played. That that just keeps coming up. We talked about that last time. I know. I just, I just kind of feel though, like it's just, it just doesn't. Um, is, is it really a sci-fi fan? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so hard to categorize it. I just don't feel like it, it fits sci-fi classic. So that's why I left it. I have you know. no bench. But it's my whole team is on. Just like, just like uh, the Hickory basketball team, my team is on the floor. Okay. Okay, we're down to the last serious category. Um, <laughs> we use the term loosely. While we, while we love um, these respected years. These movies to us are part of our DNA. Some of them definitely have to be considered cheesy. So I give you the super cheese movies of 1981. And let's start with the cheesiest of all, Endless Love. I don't want him in your room. I don't want him in this house. Stop You're it. just jealous. You're jealous of us. Oh, baby. Come, You're come. such a hypocrite. You say one thing to David. You say something else to me. You change your mind from one minute to the next. Yeah, that's pretty... Oof. Have you seen it? Have you actually seen it all the way through? I have not. Not probably since 1982 or 1983. I can't get through it. It's just so inaccessible. They all die in the end. Uh, I had to. <laughs> we should be so lucky. I looked up some trivia on it because I'm like, I have to have one piece of trivia. And it's so creepy. I don't even know if I want to read Hit it. Hit me with the facts. But <laughs> during the lovemaking scene, which just sounds weird coming out of my mouth, during the lovemaking scene... Director Franco Zeffirelli, he squeezed the big toe of Brooke Shields off camera to provoke a reaction that he thought would look like an orgasm. Huh. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Never going to look at a big toe again the same way. That's what I'm just saying. Uh, the second movie that is this, – this, this movie is tragically bad, the one I'm about to mention. And if there's any God, we won't find a movie clip for it. Uh, <laughs> I give you 1981's. <laughs> Under the Rainbow. Do you think that we could use any of those rooms you have on the top floor? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I couldn't do that. Uh, it's very special circumstances. And... Well, any rooms that you could spare would be greatly appreciated. I can't. I just can't. Three people need the entire top floor? I, I can't understand that. I, I just can't understand it. I can understand that. Oh, who's? I think the bar is open. Oh, dilly No, this is an elevator, dear. Don't uh, dilly dally, Bruce. Did, did you see this one? I you had to have seen uh, this. Did I? I maybe it's, I did. I don't remember it, but that doesn't mean I didn't see it. I love the premise. <laughs> the poster for the film had a blurb that read, "Quote: Somewhere under the rainbow, way down low, Chevy Chase, Carrie Fisher, and 150 midgets are fighting valiantly to save our country against all odds." Oh, I mean, I'm all in for a good dad joke, but that's just a lazy pun. <laughs> Anyway, both Carrie Fisher and Chevy Chase would would later admit that they both considered that to be the worst work they ever put on film. <laughs> and that's saying something. 
What about 91? Okay, 91. I got a couple for you. First up, and this you can watch on Stars right now, Hudson Hawk. If Da Vinci was alive today, he'd be eating microwave sushi naked in the back of a Cadillac with the both of us. The project of his life is now the toy of mine. History, tradition, culture are not concepts. These are trophies I keep in my den as paperweights. Chaos will cause the world with this machine. will be our final masterpiece. I will pass. Is, is this a caper movie? It was advertised as such, and I was kind of angry when I went and saw it and realized it really wasn't. It's just way, way, way too goofy to be a caper movie. It's, it's dumb fun. I, I like it. I think there's some really funny things in it. It's a lot of silliness. Yeah. Sandra Bernhardt, oh, I, amazing. I don't know that I've seen much more than five minutes of it, to be honest. I mean, there's just I – could, I, could I can either watch Under the Rainbow or Hudson Hawk. I would really be like – Choose Hudson Hawk. I think Hawk. I would just jump out of Choose a window. Hudson Hawk. Uh, I, think, I think I might have to. And my second one, Soap Dish. I realize I'm not a young woman. However, could you please point out to our new costume designer whose name I don't quite have? Tony Miller, Miss Tony. How do you do that? I don't feel quite right in a turban. What I feel like is Gloria Swanson. What am I, 70, David? Am I 70? Or did you just put me in a walker? Buy a walker and put me in it. You're fired. Oh, God. I'm just kidding. Attention, no turbans for Miss Talbert. Hey, I like this movie, actually. Yeah, I, I saw this in the theater. I remember thinking, this is actually pretty funny. Kevin Klein and Sally Field, if you don't recall, on a soap opera that is a drama on and off camera. There. I just I yeah. just pitched that movie. <laughs> it's a, It's got a great cast. Robert Downey Jr., uh, Carrie Fisher's in Whoopi it. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, there's a great um, scene where Sally Field's character is like getting a little down in the dumps. And so Whoopi Goldberg's like, come on. And they go to a suburban mall in New Jersey and she pretends like, oh, is that is that you? Oh, it's and like kind of spawns this mob around her just to like get people like, oh, can I get your autograph? Oh, I love your work. Just to kind of boost her up. It's a really funny scene. Yeah, it's a crutch. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I think this was made about the time that uh, Robert Downey Jr. was still kind of spiraling out of control yeah. with his problems and it kind of shows but i, I could be if i'm wrong i apologize well it could just be just, method acting you know he was supposed to be a tv guy even the work he did in his worst years was still pretty damn good so i did have some some honorable mentions i just want to reel off from 1981 okay. body heat uh if you're into erotic noir and your completest of the movie catalog of Kathleen Turner and William Hurt, that would be a good one for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll be right back. I need to go watch that. First Monday in October, uh, Supreme Court movie that starred Walter Matthau and about the first female justice appointed to the court. The Four Seasons. All, all these are kind of like adult movies that like we saw on HBO if there was nothing else on. The Four Seasons, not a movie about Frankie what? Valley. It's, it's Alan Alda and Carol Burnett as grown-ups who vacation with other grown-ups every season boy that sounds really exciting i know i can't believe that it was a top did you contender. book a vrbo for us this month yes i did here's the one that we all kind of forgot about but should have sob blake edwards you you scamp you yeah i mean it's it we basically only remember it because julie andrews flashed her bare breast that's true <clears throat> do you have any uh, honorable mentions I, I got a couple i'll throw in here dying young do you remember that? Ooh, dark. Never seen it, yeah. but Katie references it all the time. She's like, I guess this movie is the reason she wants to go to Mendocino sometime. <laughs> I don't know. It's up I, on the Northern I California coast. Um, regarding Henry, famous for its uh, ham-handed uh, product placement of Ritz crackers. <laughs> was that paid for? Oh, I don't know. If it, <laughs> if it was, I'm not sure if they got their money worth. And, and yeah. then the last one, Barton Fink, which is just a trippy movie. Very 90s. Uh, you know. Lost eight or nine million dollars at the box office somehow. I, I, you know. Yeah, but people still name check it. Yeah. Well, it's Coen Brothers. So, who do you think won? Well, let me look at my scorecard here. <laughs> and a unanimous decision by knockout and quality movie presentation. This round goes to Steve Spears in 1981. Well, I mean, you won the sci-fi category, so it wasn't it wasn't like you. It wasn't. I didn't sweep you. I think 1981 is clearly strong. I mean, come on. 
Raiders and stripes. I, I'll I'll see myself out. <laughs> oh man, I you can't see yourself out before one thing though, because we got to do the, the seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Uh, we will play a snippet of a movie from the eighties. If you get it right, you're entered into a drawing for the postal friendly bottle opener. Eventually, we're going to have other swag. That, I don't know. I kind of like postal friendly bottle openers. I'll buy more of those when these run out. I have I have seen into the future. <gasps> have you? I don't know. There's there's a way now on Patreon where we can do for fulfillment. So if people like our Patre- Patreons of us, then we can we can send them stuff easier. Because right now it's a logistical nightmare. Steve I, doesn't I, know I, how I to apologize. use the post office, guys. This is true. You know, some people don't learn how to read. Steve never learned how to mail. I live near the worst post office in North America. I just like to tease you. It is so bad. It's right next to a closed Chinese buffet. And it's just, it's the darkest, most depressed. The doors of the building don't even shut properly. I don't even know how, how they can lock it at night. Maybe it's a 24-hour it smells... post office. Actually, a lot of post offices don't lock the door because you need to be able to get into the post office boxes. No, I mean, you can get into the to the... Uh, your 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 PO box area without a problem, but the ones that go into like the critical huh. area, that, that those just they look like they were set up in the eighteen hundreds. Nice. And there was no Florida back. Anyway, I'm just saying it, it it's it's a depressing adventure anytime I have to go there, and so I I, I limit my trips. But uh, the next time the future wife is here, our goal is to catch up with all the Patreon uh, mailings that we need to do. Sweet. Anyway. Anyway. I forgot. Meanwhile, in the middle back of this the ridiculously, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! If I drink any more Gatorade today, it's going to come out lime green when I go to the bathroom. Uh, TMI, pay dude. attention. Here was <laughs> pay attention. Here was the clip from the last time we did this seggy. I just want you to know that when we were together, I was really happy. That's about last night, huh? I would have thought more people would have gotten this uh, yeah, one. Yeah, me too. Me too. We got a couple St. Elmo's fire guesses just from the voice. <laughs> I th- We got more than a fair number of people who said it was from Ghost. Okay. Which is not an 80s movie. Which, But that doesn't mean I wouldn't have necessarily not screwed up and actually put it in it there. It done that before. It does but, happen. But um, no, it's not. It's about last night. It's the very ending of About Last Night where... Demi Moore's talking to Rob Lowe. If I had left the Rob Lowe line in there, everybody everyone would have got, got it. Me. Yeah. When I was pulling the the people who got this right last night just to prep for today, because again, sometimes we do research, sometimes we just do preparation. I'm like, man, I want to watch that movie, but I I didn't I couldn't find it on any streaming services, so I ended up watching uh, nah, it's Bridge on the River Kwai instead because I didn't need three hours of my evening last night. I can pretty much act out if you ever want to. <laughs> you know, just do a Zoom call and we just act out Bridge Over River Kwai. <laughs> You madness, madness! What have I done? So good. Anyway, read the winners. Winners this week include James Crabtree, Edward in El Paso, Jan, or is that Jan? I'm not sure. Stuck in Lawrence, Kansas, and Mark the Mailman. Mark the Mailman. Okay, stay tuned to find out if any of you won. In the meantime, here's this week's mystery movie clip. I met you on uh, Bloodbath, right? Yeah. And then we did Bloodbath Two. And then we did uh, Bad Day at Blood Beach. And then we did Bordello of Blood. If you know it, I'll give you a hint. Is it from 1981? Should I make it a 1981 clip to Shmaby. celebrate my victory? We'll try. Be we'll, quite we'll try to make a 1981 clip. <laughs> well, that narrows it down to a few hundred movies. Just email us at podcast at com and tune in in a couple of weeks to find out if you're a winner. But actually, turn in, tune in every week, but just be patient We've got three rounds of seggies now, and so next week will be our stuck in the arcade, and then next week after that is Mystery TV theme Mystery song. Mystery TV, and then oh, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, the wheel turns. <laughs> the wheel turns. Bear with me. I think I'm on a sugar high that's about to come crashing down. Ah, uh, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. We will play a piece, not a snippet, a piece, a few notes of a classic 80s tune. If you get it right, again, glory awaits in the form of a metallic postal-friendly bottle opener. Here was the one from my, I'm looking at it right now. Why am I laughing? 
I'm pretty sure I've used this before, but because I tend to repeat songs. Eh. But anyway, here it was. That's Don't Cry by Asia. You could also call it Don't Cry Spearsy by Asia. I, mm. It's off of the much beloved second album, uh, Alpha? Alpha. Alpha. Astra is the third one. And then yeah. Adenoid and Anger. And- Longtime listeners of Stuckinese will remember that it's the album cover to Alpha that my roommate and I painted on the dorm room wall outside That's our so room great. freshman year. I think I put a photo of it online somewhere. My son actually chose that album cover to frame and put in his room as a like a junior high kid. It was cool. I mean, it was a cool album it, cover. All their albums. I mean, it was. Were. It is cool. <laughs> it's a good. Pe- people talk about the first album being like, oh, the first album so amazing, and it is. But the second album is pretty damn good too. It's I agree. Once when you get to the third album, things start it to falls off pretty fast. I think I just talked about this. The recently. That third album, ooh, it's got Voice of America and a bunch of other rhyming crap. If you go forward, like from Astra for, or forward all the way to I forget, I don't know what the name of their last album was. You can find like one or good tracks, one or two good tracks on every album, enough to like make a like a mixtape. If if we still you need did to make those. me a you need to make me an Asia playlist. I, I do because there's some good ones, there. but they're really sad because it's all it's just a lot of it's it's just a lot of regret songs and lost love songs, and then when obviously when John Wetton knew that he, things weren't going his way health wise. Mm. There were a lot of songs about uh, the end. and Oh, well, you know what? Maybe don't make me that playlist. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll just stab myself in the ears. (laughs) God. It is. There's, 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 oh, God. Just Bury Me in Willow is is one of them. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it gets dark fast. Better than Daylight Savings Time. Anyway. Mm. Uh, we did have some winners. We had a lot of winners. I mean, um, we did entirely men, right? Because I don't think I any. I believe so. It I just believe so. But let's go through them and find out. <laughs> Here we go. Winners this week include John Cluxton, Joseph Perdue, Stephen Halifax, Kevin Missouri Proud Wench, Kirk Lowe, Todd in Minnesota, Stephen Ventura, Chris B. Critter, Charles in Yorktown, Virginia, Mark the Mailman, Brian in San Francisco. Greg from Kissimmee, Jason Bilski, Chris Zabriskie, Kianov of Midmo, which sounds like a character from the Dark Tower series, I gotta say. Nothing but strikes of Midtown Lanes, kids. And Dan Newcomb, who writes, This got me thinking. Being a young and not-so-worldwise youth in the 1980s, to me, Asia was this new band on MTV with Heat of the Moment and a couple other songs. I had no idea who Yes, King Crimson, or ELP were. Then when Owner of a Lonely Heart came out, I had no idea Yes was a 14-plus-year-old band at that point. Yeah. I got you, Dan. Same thing. With Asia, I'm like, super group. When is super yeah. group? I got some cool songs, but I'm like, let's not go crazy. <laughs> I was never a fan of any of those groups, really, until until after Asia. Then I went back and started listening to ELP, and I don't know that I could name more than two King Crimson songs. Yes, I could probably name about ten songs. Uh, yeah, it. roundabout. There you go. That's I'll get the main started. one. Well, I remember when I saw when I saw Asia do they reunited in two thousand six or seven, and we'd already started the podcast. And I got an interview with Carl Palmer, the drummer. Oh, nice for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he invited me backstage. I remember that before the show, so I got to hang out with him backstage, and. I remember that set list they did that night had a song from each one of their original bands. So they did Roundabout, they did uh, Video Killer oh. Radio Star, they did Nice. I forget what they did for ELP, I, but they, they did one for each, and that was it was a kind of a nice moment. So yeah, well, that's a nice touch. Okay, let's spin the wheel and find out who gets the uh, metallic um, orb of pleasure. Ooh, I only have one of those, and I'm not sending it to anybody. <laughs> but I will spin the wheel. Here we go. Good job. I don't like to spin the wheel, personally. Yeah, well, I'm standing up, so I got a little more reach. Looks like it's going to land on Charles in Yorktown. Okay, excellent. Send us your postal-friendly address, and we will send you a postal-friendly um, implement to be used on the beverage of your choice. Hmm. I guess you could use it on... They still have soda in bottles? 
Do they? Um, yeah, yeah. I used to love that when I was a kid. You pop when the top we, off. Yeah. Back when I didn't cry every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna save that for our other podcast. <laughs> Just like, oh man, I never. I, never. <laughs> I can't. Five ninety six kids. That's where the wheels came off. Don't, don't, don't listen to the later show. It gets kind of dark. Uh, anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery music clip. If you know it, email us at therapists at sit eighties dot com. And tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Important note. That was a joke email address. Please email your answer to podcast at sitadiz.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Superman 2 is taking off all over America as the adventure continues to explode across movie screens everywhere. Soaring to new record-breaking heights. Audiences and critics agree there is only one film to see this summer. Superman! General! Superman 2, the most exciting movie event of our time. Rated PG. Now playing everywhere. Hey, we're back. And uh, we had a few minutes left. Wanted to kind of remind you, we haven't we haven't made much of it lately. But we still are doing the Patreon program, which is basically a way for people who want to help us support the cost of doing the show. Any amount helps. I mean, a dollar a month helps or a dollar a year helps, actually. But we rolled out some tiers lately, and we're hoping to... To, to start yeah. fulfilling Speaking some of those. Speaking of Steve crying every day. <laughs> just, I can record some crying for you to use on your iPhone as a ringtone. I don't normally make sounds when I cry. It just, it's just like it looks like I just... It just floods out. It just looks like my eyes are sweating. That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in Florida. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very humid down here. One of the things we're going to do is... At certain levels, you can actually re- come on the show and record the Seggies with us. You can even record the Seggies with us if you want. So uh, go online. I think it's patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Yep. And uh, you can find out more. We'd love to have you on to do the Seggies. And you want to ask us a PPTMN live? We can do that. I don't know what else. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed our show about 81 versus 91. Just remember, we're all winners here when the season's over. I'm just going to take my participation trophy and go home. But in the meantime, uh, Brad and I remain here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast.